Hi, Story Seeds podcast listeners. Your host, Betsy Bird here. Welcome to our bonus episode. One of my favorite parts of this job is that I get to talk to all the authors we are featuring on the podcast to get behind-the-scenes scoops on their experiences in writing life. Today, I am speaking to Aram Kim, author of the delightful cat-centric picture books Cat on the Bus, No Kimchi for Me, and her latest, Let's Go to Taekwondo. Aram worked with seven-year-old Cece on the adventures of Electric Kitty. Aram Kim, thank you so much for talking with me. And it was just so much fun to hear you interacting with Cece. Cece, who is our our youngest uh, Story Seeds kid that we've done so far. Right. Uh, And she had such specific story ideas, Mm -hmm. like even including the (laughs) character's name and lots of plot ideas. So basically, you you write and you illustrate. But as a writer, like, what was that like for you, seeing all these ideas? She just had multiple tons and tons of ideas. Um, how do you how do you make a, a story out of that? So basically, I took the very basic idea of what Cece had. But talking with her was amazing because, as yeah. you said, she had so many ideas and they had so much depth. <laughs> so yes. she had a lot of characters, first of all. And she sure each, did. Yeah, each character had name and origin story, the backstory, arch enemy, and not just like good and bad, but they had different tiers. They were complex characters. I was really amazed when I was talking with her. I was like, oh, wow, this is so much more than what I expected, you know? Did you worry at all whether Cece would like the direction you were taking things? I mean, I I feel like I have taken it quite far away from where we started. But even then, we have our main character, Electric Kitty, um, who is a very major part of the story. And she's very prominent in my story. So I think she'll be okay. I think she will be actually delighted. But I feel like it doesn't matter if you're an adult with a kid mm-hmm. or an adult with an adult or a kid mm-hmm. with a kid. Like when you're collaborating with somebody, you have to hear what they're saying. And I felt like you did a really good job with that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was a very, it, it, I had a great time with CC. Yeah. I, I, it came through. Oh, it sounded good. like you guys were having a really good time. Yeah, exactly. It was, a, it was a good Saturday. So she was definitely inspired in some part by Superman, which was interesting. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. then she was very influenced, I thought, by Captain mm-hmm. Underpants. Uh-huh. I thought there was a lot <laughs> of Captain Underpants at work there, and in a good way. Just in terms of like how it was set up and the format uh-huh. of it in some ways. Have you ever read any of the Captain Underpants books? You know, the funny thing is, so Cece said her um, favorite book is Captain Underpants. Uh And after that, I actually read the very first Captain Underpants for the first time in my life. And I loved it. I love them. They're so much fun. It is so fun. And I could see why kids are so crazy about it. 
Yeah. So I did also read it as kind of uh, research too, because oh, I, love I thought, yeah, it would be kind of like a perfect formatting for this kind of short story that should fit in like 10 minutes of recording, but then also it has to have all the dramas. So it was a great help. <laughs> That's great. And I feel that any project that involves one having to read Captain Underpants as research <laughs> is a good project right there. I agree. Yep. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> How was it to collaborate on the illustration of Electric Kitty with Cece? Because she was so excited to draw out her visualization <laughs> of the character. How she do you did. collaborate visually with someone? So what I was imagining before I went in was that we would draw together in a mm -hmm. sketchbook. So she would draw some part, I would draw some part. Um, but then because she was so enthusiastic, I kind of just like wanted to see where she takes it. And she just drew this fantastic electric kitty yeah. in a big piece of paper. I was amazed and I was like, well, I don't think I should touch this. It looks like a masterpiece. So I took that and I brought it with me. I didn't, you know, like I didn't follow exactly what it was because I also wanted to put in some um, aspect of my own. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually very excited for Cece to see what I came up with. I think she'll be really delighted and we could see them side by side. And um, I, yeah, yeah, I cannot wait. When you create your illustrations for a story and any story, not necessarily even this one, do you sketch the art first or do you write the words down first? Um... Most of the time, it happens at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's never anything first. Um, but then for this one, I think I started writing first because um, it was a different form of writing than what I had been doing because mm -hmm. I always did the picture books. Um, so it was just kind of like different type of writing so because I was a little bit afraid of not getting it done on time and in a right way so I started writing first to spend more time on it uh, but then but then before I, I finished writing I started drawing too mm -hmm. it is hard for me to go on writing for a really long time without drawing because it does happen visually in my head too. So I do need to kind of put it down on the paper and that sometimes uh, brings up other story aspects as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you and Cece are both from, from Queens, New York. Uh -huh. um, and then you went to her home, uh, which mm -hmm. is in Queens. So uh -huh. do you feel that Queens had a particular inspiration on the story or even that her home uh, had an inspiration uh -huh. in some way? Queens definitely ha has a big inspiration, at mm -hmm. least for me. And I think for Cece too, because it is a very um, rich environment. There are so many different um, ethnicities. There is a huge diversity, so many different kinds of food and people. If you go to the neighborhood um, playground, it kind of like looks like a movie where oh, it's like yeah. ideal, <laughs> ideal mix of like everyone coming together. Yeah. There are really many kinds of like different people just there. 
So mm-hmm. it is definitely a big inspiration for me. And for Cece, she does live in the middle of all the hustlers and bustlers of uh, Queens. Mm-hmm. So I cannot imagine not being inspired by it. Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it felt uh, it felt like Queens. Like when I when I heard <laughs> I heard the story, I was like, "Yep, that that is Queens." It just, oh, I'm it, glad. Yes, I'm glad. <laughs> very much so. You know, another thing that it, that felt very accurate to New York City uh, mm-hmm. was the blackout. You know, I uh-huh. love I love that the context for the story was a blackout because blackouts mm-hmm. do not in my opinion, <laughs> get enough attention in children's books. That is, that is my stand. I'm going to stand on it. Put my flag uh-huh. right here. That's that's what I want to say. Have you, uh-huh. ever been in a, have you ever been in a blackout yourself? Not in New York, but then in Korea when I was a child. Yeah, I mean, it did happen. So mm-hmm. in my story, there is a part where Grandpa takes out candles from the drawer, like dusty candles because they hadn't been using it for a long time. Right. And I remember as a kid, we did have candles at home. Uh-huh. But then now, of course, no one has candles except the scented candles. Everyone has the flashlights <laughs> and also the blackout. <laughs> yeah. Blackout so you could have a blackout and then everything smells like pumpkin for a while. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Like, only candle you could find is like scented candle. But exactly. yeah, so yeah, it kind of brought back my memories of blackout, which did happen when I was a child, a couple of times at least that mm-hmm. I can remember. Yeah, well, I think it made a good background for the story too. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did you feel like the blackout like really worked with the the Electric Kitty outline that you guys were working? I think so because. Uh, in California, like a few weeks ago, the power company was cutting off the power, right? That's to right. That's right. The, yeah, the wildfire. Wildfires. Right. Yeah. So how to incorporate incidents that are actually happening in the real world and also the connection with the environmental changes. So, yeah, I, I thought blackout could be something related to those and also something that actually happened in New York City last summer a couple of times. Yes. I think blackouts can be fun. I think people do find mm-hmm. them scary. Um, but, <laughs> but certainly, I, I just think they're just, you know, especially like in books like uh, Blackout by John Rocco. I think uh-huh. there's, there's a lot of fun for a kid particularly to be had. Right, right. I don't remember being scared of blackout as a kid. It was a fun event, something different. Exactly. Of, and free ice cream. Uh-huh. And who that exactly. <laughs> well, you have right. to eat yeah. it or it'll mm-hmm. melt. Oops. Exactly. <laughs> oh, tear. So sad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I need to. I need to shift gears and ask you a very, very serious question now. Very serious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you believe that Electric Kitty is an important hero for our times? And if so, why? <laughs> Well, Electric Kitty is an important figure, important superhero of our time Mm -hmm. because um, of all these environmental disasters are happening, which are very real. Yeah, like all the tsunami, like hurricane, like extreme weather. So Electric Kitty is in the center of bringing communities together to fight the environmental disaster. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I think that's a good reason that Electric Kitty is a very important superhero of our time. 
Now, who is your own personal superhero? Could be an actual superhero or could be someone in your life who is a superhero to you. Uh, who's, who's your superhero? Oh, that's such a hard question to answer. Uh, so in a personal level, um, let's say, except for my family, because I don't want to leave anyone out. No. <laughs> so I would say not my family, um, except my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my school, like when I was in school, my mentor, Pat Cummings, oh. she has been a superhero not only for me, but for a lot of her students. There are so many people who, whom she taken under her wings and groomed and nurtured and nourished. And she is truly an amazing teacher who also is a writer and illustrator. And she, her generosity of sharing the information and sharing the resources and her support of every student that comes in her way is really heroic. So I would say Pat Cummings is my superhero. That is such an excellent choice. I love Pat. So that is, mm-hmm. that is so, such a good choice. That just makes me so happy. What, a, what an excellent oh. choice you selected. Well <laughs> done. Glad. Gold star for you. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Now, going back to the to Cece. Now, Cece uh-huh. said that Electric Kitty was inspired by her cat, Nola. Uh-huh. So, and, and you have a cat, do you not? I did. Not now, but Aww. I did. I know. <laughs> did, did, your, did your cat inspire any of your work ever? Actually, my uh, very first book, Cat on the Bus, was partly inspired by my cat. Mm-hmm. So that book itself was actually well inspired by this photo, random photo I saw online. Someone took a photo of the street cat who were who got on the bus. But then, so the street cat was cold outside and hungry, and turned out the bus driver felt bad for the cat, so he let the cat on the bus so that you know she could be warm for a while. Mm-hmm. So that was really heartwarming and inspiring for me. So I wrote the book. But when I actually illustrated it, I drew after my cat. Her name is Hulang. And she was a stray cat too from the shelter. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, I it just made me think a lot about what kind of life she might have had before we found each other. So it was an interesting um, experience. And also when I was working on that book, when I was doing the final art for the book, um, she died. So oh. yeah, it was a very kind of like a comforting way to keep mm-hmm. drawing her over and oh. over. Yeah. So it is actually very special for me. That's great. That's so sweet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, didn't mean to bring down brought it all down let's keep it on that vein then we'll keep it on a slightly more serious vein like mm-hmm. um when you were a kid uh mm-hmm. were you a writer or were you an illustrator or were you both i think i was a both mm-hmm. i i remember as my very first like dream you know, like when people ask the kid, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right, right. Yeah. I always said a painter. 
Mm-hmm. Because at that time, I didn't know the word illustrator. So I said painter. Oh. And yeah, I have some like self-portrait as a second grader that I drew myself as a painter. But then along the way, somehow, even as a kid, I realized or I thought that being a painter would be really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> And I always loved reading and I was always writing. So I thought I would become a writer. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought being a writer would be easier than being an artist. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I did always want to be a writer and illustrator. And I did detour a lot. But then mm-hmm. I think I did come to my path eventually. Well, what kept you going then? Because if, if you were a kid and you wanted these things and, and you were in second grade, I love you were in second grade because that's <laughs> how, that's where Cece is right now. Oh, that's correct. Right, yeah. right. So yeah. what what kept you going? Like what, what allowed you to mm-hmm. uh, just believe you could do this as a, as a job? Well, I have to confess that I didn't keep going. Mm-hmm. I did give up. <laughs> so... As I was entering middle school, and I grew up in Korea, and it does, the school education gets pretty serious. Yeah. So you do study all these, you know, basic subjects like math and Korean, English, or social studies, science. You do very much focus on it to get a good score at the entrance exam for college, Mm -hmm. which is very sad um, because it does... restrict students from imagining and and learning on their own. But then I was a good student, so I did study those. And I did not draw at all for a really long time. Hmm. And I read, but I didn't write much. So I, I just... I don't know. I was just in the system and I didn't know how to break out of it or I didn't even think there was a possibility. So I just followed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was only after I went to college that I started um, writing and also drawing again, maybe because I thought, oh, I already entered the college maybe I didn't need to study anymore (laughs) very wrong notion but maybe Uh, that's how I started writing and drawing again but mm -hmm. um the time I started seriously considering of professionally drawing was actually when I came to United States as an exchange student Mm -hmm. I was an English major student in Korea, so I was taking English literature classes in American University, which mm-hmm. was extremely difficult. Yeah, that was it. Yes. <laughs> it was extremely difficult, very different from what I was studying in Korea. So as a break, as to give myself a little break, I took an art class. Mm-hmm. I thought... Yeah, I mean, art class, you got to use less English, right? Right. So, yeah, yeah, that's why I started taking art class. And it was such an eye-opening experience. And I was just amazed how free I felt, how much I enjoyed, how I just loved staying up all night and then drawing. So that really got me thinking that if I need to, 
work or my life, <laughs> then <laughs> I want to do what I love. Oh. So yeah, that's when I um, switched the path and then started studying uh, to become an illustrator. Oh, well, that's a great story. <laughs> Thank so, you. <laughs> well, and so for those kids out there who uh-huh. might potentially want to be uh, uh-huh. an, uh, you know, an illustrator or a, or uh-huh. a writer, sometimes they can get a little frustrated and feel like they can't come up with any good ideas or like they're all my ideas are bad. Like what do you (laughs) do to get your imagination unstuck when it, when it gets stuck sometimes? That is really difficult question. Mm -hmm. And that is actually a question that I always ask when I go to school visits. I say, what do you do when you're stuck? Um, Well, usually, so if I'm working on a story and I feel stuck, I usually just leave it for a while Mm -hmm. and then I take some time and come back to it. And, but then that time could be actually years. Mm -hmm. So it could be a week or a month, but years. Um, Years. Yeah. I I mean, so I think that's why it's actually a good thing to work on several projects at the same time so Mm -hmm. that you keep working, but then you don't necessarily uh, work on just one single project for the entire time. Because then you kind of get fresh eyes too when you're working on different projects and you don't feel too frustrated about not going forward with one particular project. I know everyone works differently, but then, yeah, for me, it kind of works. Oh, that's great. So, uh, you know, the imagination, uh, some people consider it a muscle that can be strengthened in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, If if you're speaking directly to the kids, like, Mm -hmm. what would you suggest as an imagination muscle building exercise for the kids who are listening to this podcast? So this might sound contradictory what I just said, (laughs) but (laughs) to build an imaginary muscle, I think you should start a drawing or like comics story that you are working on Mm -hmm. and then finish the first draft in one sitting. So, yeah, before you finish the story, don't take a break. Don't go like search the Internet. Don't like go out, like have fun. Just like sit down. Yeah, sit down, write or draw to the end, even if it stinks. Yeah. And then you can come back to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really difficult to do that. It is. It is. (laughs) It is. It is. And you're saying they should do it even if it stinks, even if if what you think is no good, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. still do it. Yes, exactly. You might end up um, like drawing just stick figures, but then still, if you stick to the end of the story, I think that does make it grow a lot. Oh, that's great advice. In fact, everything you've said has been great advice. This whole oh. darn podcast has been full of great advice. You're very kind. You're too oh, kind. Very good. Well, Aram Kim, thank you so much for, for talking to me today. This has of been course. just a delight. It has been so much fun. Thank you so much for talking with me. No problem. You have a good one. Well, folks, that's all for today. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast streaming platform so you can tune in as soon as our newest episodes drop. If you have a stellar story seed and want to be on the show, 
email us at storyseeds at literarysafari.com. You can also call our hotline at 646-389-5153 and leave a voicemail telling me all about it. Find us on Instagram at StorySeedsPod and visit our website www.storyseedspodcast.com for behind-the-scenes pictures, to join the StorySeed Society, and so much more. Credit to Matt Boynton and Anya Jeshik of Ultraviolet Audio for the sound mixing, design, and score of our bonus episode. Our theme music is composed and performed by Andrew Van Weingarten, and I am your host, Betsy Bird. Story Seeds is a literary safari media production. On Story Seeds, you're in control of your destiny. Adventures you design where your dreams can grow a little more each time. On Story Seeds.